Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 215th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing good. I'm doing, uh, doing pretty good, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. Got my internet back at home. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, you're having like little critters biting on the cords and stuff. Mice were chewing through our internet cable. Not once, not twice, three times. <laughs> like under the house? Or? Yep, in the crawl space. So they came out and repaired it, but I was ready this time. I have, I had mouse deterrent on hand. When the repairman did his thing, I immediately crawled under the house, sprayed the cable with repellent. Oh, wow. Sprinkled repellent. Put a couple mouse traps down there. I'm trying to be humane. I'm trying to just get them to go away. Oh, okay, that's nice of you. Did you make sure the spray doesn't, won't like erode the cable? It's safe for cables. Although now my whole whole house smells like oh wow like like peppermint and like oh. spicy food. It's hmm. not the best. Two good things individually, not together. Yeah, man. There's nothing like just like a like a internet cord that's just like man that looks good to eat. To eat, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I can't blame the mice on that <laughs> front. But also, so the, the repairman, he said, in case this happens again, listen to this. I'm listening. Um, he gave me a spool of cable, of fiber optic cable with the ends on it. Like you were going to repair it yourself? He showed me how to do it. Wow. So if my mouse deterrent all fails, um, I can just fix it myself. Well, you know what they say... Uh Feed a man a fish or something. Yep. Feed him for a day. Just give him the fiber optic cable. Give him the cord. Feed him for, feed a, life. for a lifetime. Yep. Exactly. exactly. Internet for life. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we didn't have internet for a good while there. I did. I was trying to actually buy some cable myself, but then he just gave it to me. I'm um, happy for you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. That's been on my mind a lot recently. Uh, quality of life has suffered <laughs> because of that. Um, turned my xbox on for the first time and it was mm. like oh internet my lifeblood <laughs> um kyle what are we talking about today missouri lost to florida they don't have a game this week so guess what do you smell that it's basketball it's not peppermint it's basketball <laughs> oh my god basketball that's the only I thought reason the building he, was burning down or that's something the only reason he brought that story up was so he could do that little segue that was incredible we're going to talk about basketball but before we do all that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. You think you'll ever do your radio voice again? I'm thinking there's a different radio voice that I've been working on. Okay. <laughs> you know, whether we'll ever see it, to be deci- to be determined. To be decided. Uh, yeah. that's, I, that's exciting, actually. I thought you'd just say no and... That would be it, but knowing something, something could be out there that's exciting. Exactly. Um, Kyle, Missouri lost to Florida twenty-four to seventeen. Oh, we're not ready for that. We got a few news items. We got a few news items. Yeah. Um, Missouri got a commitment from a three-star athlete from Indiana, Philip Roach. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, uh, six-one, gonna play defensive back at Mizzou. Plays uh, running back and safety in high school. 
but definitely a good athlete who will be versatile um be able to probably come up in the box stop the run might be a candidate for the star position that martez manuel and dalen carnell play um had a decent offer list uh boston college cincinnati indiana nebraska were some of the headliners for sure so other schools wanted him and uh mizzou got him a little bit of a indiana pipeline developing mm-hmm. several guys on the roster and a couple commits yeah actually uh dalen carnell's dad uh dad that's right uh responded to our tweet about that uh that we have four guys on the roster now from indiana so building that pipeline Love to see it. Um, what else? There was some news coming out of football practice regarding uh, how the team was taking drills with the bye week coming up. And it looked like Odrink said in a press conference that he's giving younger players more opportunities and team drills and things and just kind of seeing what he's got. He kind of alluded to, in his mind, this is kind of what the bye week is for, getting guys some reps in practice that don't usually get it and just kind of an opportunity to see what you have. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, th- I, I do think the bye week has come at a great time as far as like little injuries and like kind of nicks and bruises and all that stuff. Like obviously Luther Burden left the Florida game with an ankle injury and Dominic Lovett's not a hundred percent. There's probably almost everybody on the team that's been playing at all is not a hundred percent. So the bye week for that reason comes at a really good time. Um, to get everybody kind of 100% moving forward. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess this is this is interesting. I have never really heard the bye week described as a time to get your younger players reps, I guess. But, uh, I mean, I like it. I like mm-hmm. the sound of that. Um, we have a lot of talented young guys who need experience and need reps. So, uh, sounds good to me. Um, he mentioned Sam Horn specifically as well, uh, along with some other guys. Uh, maybe getting some game snaps. Um, you know, I don't know if that's something specifically that we can get excited about, but he's not shutting the door on it. So, you know, Sam Horn is, he's really green, you know, like he uh, played two sports in high school and came to Mizzou in June. He had some homework to do when he got here. Obviously, physically, he's gifted. He's probably ready to go, but there are uh, things that you have to you, – you're controlling the offense. You're, you were running the show as the quarterback. And that whether that's truly the reason why he's not playing right now or not, we'll never know. But that's certainly uh, what Coach Drink is going to say. I still, even with all of the questions we've had about Coach Drink's decision-making when it comes to who is the starting quarterback, going all the way to starting Sean Robinson in game one of the Drinkwitz era, I still got to believe, you know, he is he's calling the plays in to the quarterback and he's got to be on the same page with him to feel comfortable putting him out there as a starter. And I don't know. I think it's possible that he, during his entire time so far at Mizzou, he has not felt like he's had the guy that he can just call whatever play he wants and just be as confident as you can expect to be yeah. with how your quarterback's going to execute. Hopefully we will see that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I think with all of the, uh, all of the weird situations we have seen, I think there have been some trust issues for sure. So I think that would definitely seems to hold up. All right. Now we talk about this Florida game. Yeah, let's do it. Missouri lost to Florida 24 to 17. Um, 
in classic Mizzou fashion, we basically spotted them 10 points to start the game. Yeah. Uh, Florida got a, got a field goal after bad punt coverage from Mizzou, allowed them to return it basically into field goal range. And then um, on Missouri's next offensive possession, Brady Cook throws a pick six. Next thing you know, I mean, from kickoff, you blink, it's 10-0 Florida. And we have seen so many times now the Missouri Tiger football team get down early but not give up and claw their way back into the game. They did that again this time, but shocker, too little too late. Mm -hmm. You started out in a hole and you weren't able to dig yourself all the way out of it. Yeah, uh, getting really tired of seeing that kind of stuff. Uh, just the opposite of whatever starting fast is, which is something that Coach Drink says a lot in like interviews and stuff. He always says stuff like, "We got to start fast," and then they literally do the opposite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, when you look at this game, um, like from a stats perspective and outside of just like huge negative plays, honestly, I think Missouri was the better team. Which is, I don't know if that's a good thing or if that's depressing, but couple of statistics of note from this game that I just kind of wanted to run through. Uh, uh, Missouri, uh, first downs. Missouri had 21 first downs in this game. Florida had 13. Missouri had 370 total yards of offense. 370. Florida had 297. So significantly more yards, I guess. Uh, I don't know if you could say significantly, but more, more yards. Uh, significantly more passing yards. They had mm -hmm. 220 passing yards. Florida had 66. So those are the good things. That's like Missouri. From those stats, you'd probably think Missouri won the game. Uh, however, they were sacked. Missouri was sacked four times. Florida was sacked once. So he was getting pressured. I was going to bring up Florida um, 13 tackles for loss in this game. Yeah. Uh, and and then, that's been a thing all season for yeah. the Missouri offense. Yeah. And then another thing that's been a, a big thing all season is the penalties. Uh, Missouri had six penalties for 55 yards, which honestly is – not probably, the worst we've seen. It's probably better than what they have done. And they didn't have as – I don't think they had any many, like, just critical penalties like they've had in, in previous games this year. Uh, but the, the reason that it stands out is Florida had one penalty for five yards. So, according to the referees, Florida was playing a, a much cleaner game, um, and that, that hurts us. Yeah, so you mentioned Florida's offensive stats. Um, man, Anthony Richardson was not doing anything to scare me, no. especially through the air. Yeah. Yeah. 8 of 14 passing for 66 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Yep. That's nothing. Nothing at all. He was, he did have a really nice touchdown pass towards the end of the game that, like, genuinely looked really good. But can, he was not consistent, and we knew that was probably going to happen, where he'd have some big plays but yeah. wouldn't be able to sustain it for the whole game. I thought he would perform better throwing the ball yeah. than he did. Mm -hmm. um, it's... Ugh, it's so frustrating to see that stat line from an opposing quarterback. And it's not like he, that's the stat line you expect when a guy like got benched right. or got hurt and like didn't complete the game. Yeah. You, you expect to see multiple quarterbacks when you see a stat line like that. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Uh, <clears throat> something I tweeted at halftime of this game was just kind of taking a closer look at how Missouri's done point-wise compared to their opponents like in the first and second quarter of games. So it's like that's kind of been a thing where it seems like Missouri starts slow, they kind of like rally back in the second quarter. So I took a closer look at that. Um, through the first six games of the year, uh, in the first quarter of games, Missouri has scored 20 points. Their opponents have scored 37. So 
clearly it's not as bad as I thought it might be, honestly. But that's counting like uh, some games against not good opponents. Like Abilene mm-hmm. Christian, I think, was mm-hmm. a game where Missouri got up early. Mm-hmm. So if you take that game out of the equation, it's it's pretty ugly. Uh, in the second quarter, Missouri is destroying their opponents. In the second quarter, Missouri has 64 points, and opponents have 26. So, like, almost tripling up their opponents um, in second quarters of games so far. Yeah, I mean, um, Missouri scored 10 points in the second quarter to Florida's zero. Tie game at halftime. Yep. Um, but then we got in another situation where the defense was just asked to do everything and this one they did not look as good down the stretch um it seemed like for every big play that the defense was stepping up and making florida would rip off a huge run that was a thing in the second half i mean yeah florida did have a lot more uh rushing yards than missouri did in this game 32 rushes for 231 yards it's that 7.2 yards per rush um Johnson had a, a run of 41 yards. ETN had a 39-yard run. And then Richardson had a 32-yard run, which I think was the a fourth down play. Was that fourth down where the, the middle just kind of opened up and yep. he took off? I, I Probably everybody watching that game saw that happen and just thought, oh, he's obviously got a lot of daylight there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was such a, a crucial play. But I don't know what you expect – the defense to do when they pretty much have to be perfect yeah because the offense can't do anything yeah and it's so frustrating because like honestly uh i mean the offense played okay um but it's like they don't it's like they're not capable of big plays and they're not capable of like finishing in the red zone so it's like they'll drive all the way down the field it's just like you can tell you know, they're kind of like they'll they'll break off some nice runs and stuff but like in the past game it's kind of just like okay we just need everything to go right here mm-hmm. and it looks difficult and but they'll still they'll march down the field you know 60 70 yards and then they'll turn it over or um you know they'll stall out somewhere or whatever it is they just can't seem to finish off drives where everything has to go right for them to right. get that far and so it's just infuriating like when you look at the stats it's like, wow, Missouri played a decent game. And if you watch the game, you would kind of like just not really agree with that. Yeah, and the tackle for loss thing sticks out to me because how many times have we seen a big play followed by a negative two-yard rush? Yeah, I feel like I was thinking that during this game where Drinkwitz always does this, where they, they rip off a big run, I mean, maybe 15, 20-yard run, he always goes up back to the run game. And it's like, like follows a it up hurry like, up. Yes. Yeah, get up to like, the line. I mean, it feels like almost 100% of the time, they're like, oh, that run worked. Let's do another one. And then it doesn't. It just It's like minus two yards. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I, but it just seems like it's really predictable. It's like, okay, that worked. Let's do it again. And the defense is ready for it. Something they have figured out on offense, though, is that um, like comeback route on the uh, right side of the field, um, it was Makai Miller mm. this week. Um, and, you know, obviously dealing with some wide receiver injuries and, uh, it's been Towski Dove multiple times. Yeah. Uh, for some reason that like sideline throw where he hit Miller twice, huge plays. Like I thought the game was over. Those were like game extending plays in oh, the yeah. fourth quarter yep. where it gave us a little bit of hope multiple times, which... Shout out yeah, to Makai like, Miller for that, just coming up in a huge spot there. Yeah, Missouri was great on third down in this game, which is really weird. 
Um, and third and 15, third and 22. Yeah. Just like things you would never expect them to to do. So, yeah, uh, I understand people are really frustrated with the Brady Cook. I completely understand that. I think it's warranted. I'm frustrated too, but honestly, like he played okay in this game outside of like the just god awful pick six. Like that, okay, that was just, I was furious when that happened. Yeah, the receiver did get bumped off his route, but. You just know, like, we're going to have a really, really hard time coming back from that. Yeah. And we did. And because just, you know how bad these offenses are where a big defensive play probably going to be the difference and it exactly was yeah and then we end up in the same situation where in the second half we need the defense to do something like that yep. we basically need the defense to score a touchdown mm-hmm. in order to win the game yep and i feel like this is the third game now the auburn game the georgia game and now this where we've been in it because these guys are not giving up and we've got a good defense but we need the defense to not only be good, we need them to be transcendent. To be the offense. Yes, we need them to <laughs> literally score points for us. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. Uh, Makai Miller looked amazing. Like, great size, good hands, athletic, smooth route runner. Like One of those was a pretty difficult catch. Yes. Like, man, um, he has the potential to be a really, really good player. And I am so excited about that wide receiver room. And, again, like – Coming into this year, I think that's something that we talked about a lot. Like, oh, man, those wide receivers are great. And, like, in my back of my mind, I think I knew, yes, they're talented, but they're very inexperienced. And I think there could still be a lot of bumps in the road, which there have been. But when I think about this team developing and, like, kind of turning the corner, I really feel like the wide receiver room is, like, leading that right now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they kind of are turning the corner. Like, Dominic Lovett has been one of the best receivers in the the SEC. Luther Burden had some nice moments in this game. Uh, Makai Miller looks like he could has the potential to be a star. Leading receiver in this game, Mookie Cooper. Four catches for 58 yards. Mookie Cooper has looked fantastic. Like, he's clearly taken a step. Like, unfortunately it takes time but these guys are young and they're they look to me like they're developing really quickly and so that's that's certainly exciting and that's exciting for whoever's playing quarterback the rest of the year and next year one thing that uh a listener um pointed out last week in the youtube comments was the lack of throws to the running backs and we actually did see a couple i think uh schrader and pete each caught a pass in this game and um, we were talking about like no true running back screen plays, mm-hmm. um, but we actually saw one early on to Pete, but then they didn't ever go back to it. And I wonder because we've seen Tyler Beatty be prolific in the mm-hmm. passing game. I wonder how much of that is on Brady cook, just going through his progressions in a way where he doesn't have time just, to get back to the running back. Just taking or, a check down. Right. Like it almost, seems like watching him go through his progressions he needs to go like first read where's my check down i don't know it just seems like there's opportunity on a lot of these mm-hmm. plays where cook gets yeah he's flustered he's, and exactly and he's run- struggling he's on the run he needs like a safety valve yeah and i do th- i could be misremembering but I think one of those big like third down conversions that was almost just like I was ready to punt because it was just like third and 22. That might have been a screen or just a running or a check down to uh, to Schrader. Yeah, there was a was nice, that a pass? Yeah, I think there was um, there was a nice 
throw to Schrader where he mm-hmm. like and made th- a guy miss. And I think that was just like a safety valve type play. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I agree. That certainly can't help. Uh, can't hurt uh, to just take some easy passes and let the uh, let the athlete in space do what they do. Yeah, we we kind of do that with the receivers on the outside, mm-hmm. and you know we have these quick screen plays or just quick throws to the receivers on the edge and i just feel like on some of those more where cook is trying to go through his reads he just needs an easier out Mm -hmm. of the situation sometimes and he's finding that by just tucking the ball and running or you know yeah running for no gain most of the time Uh, the official stats are 14 carries for 16 yards in this game so he's making plays with his legs but then most of the time he's getting nowhere yeah and that's because it's not coming as a natural part of the offense. Mm-hmm. It's him not finding anybody at first and then kind of yeah. not being able to go anywhere. Yeah. I was, you know, I still feel like this is one of the best games Brady play, has played so far. The running game was pretty good at times. Like Pete had some good runs. Offensive line was um, getting in the second level a little bit. I would love to see a little bit more to Boris Jones. I mean, if you can avoid burning, burning the red shirt, that's – Maybe ideal, but at that same time, he I, maybe he caught matter. a uh, he returned Pick a off. kick. Yeah. So I mean that counts as one of his four games. Yeah, I still think he's clearly the most talented back on the roster. So I I wouldn't mind seeing him get out there a little bit more. But um, I don't know. It's like I'm with the fans that are frustrated because things because we've lost uh, games that we should win probably. Um, we basically won the Auburn game and just didn't miss the kick and should have pulled off a win against Georgia and then had to play Florida on the road. These are really difficult games. Um, it's kind of a gauntlet. Uh, but I, saw, I, I saw, sorry, sorry. I'm I was going to say, but I mean, but I do feel like I've seen some encouraging things from the offense that like, I mean, you really think that that team we saw show up in Manhattan, Kansas a month ago, you really think that team is like taking Georgia to the wire, taking Florida to the wire. Like, this team has gotten better. I know there's they there's nothing to show for it win loss wise, but I mean I feel like the, I feel like they they've improved some somewhat in some areas. Yeah, well, and I think um, I think the defense is better than we expected preseason. Oh yeah. Now, well, we we really talked about the defense. We did preseason. We kind of put it all out there, and they were even better than we thought. Yeah. Maybe so, like you know. I was kind of thinking like, oh, we were gonna regret that because we were really talking up the the defense, but they have uh, they made they made us look good for sure. What was um, Cook's second interception? I can't place it in the game. Was I, it? It was the same guy that got the pick six. It when it was like uh, he forced one to Luther Burden like in the red zone. Right, right. Like like again, easily in field goal range. Good, yes, yes. good drive. Couldn't finish. And oh, by the way, the guy that got the those two interceptions, I'm pretty sure was the same guy that said something in the post game, or maybe it was maybe even it was like during the week before about like, yeah, we got to beat Missouri. Like that's a team we have to beat. And like, of course, he has like the most impactful game of anybody. Third and six at the Florida 16. Brady Cook pass interception. Yeah, Ugh. it's just killer, man. Yeah. Can't do that. That's why you have these good stats, bad score. Yeah, and that's not all and it's not all on him because, right. um, like we're talking about with the, you know, tackles for loss. Yeah, that's 
that type of thing is what sets up the uh, forcing a bad throw. Uh, I don't know. The, the offense is just, like we've said many times, it's such a struggle to get anything going. Yeah. And when it seems like when it seems like the play calling and the offensive line are going well, two interceptions. Yeah, Brady makes a mistake. When Cook is really playing well, then the offensive line yeah. he will allow a bunch of tackles for loss. There's just not enough talent for everybody to be rowing the boat the same direction at all times, and that's frustrating. It really is. But I feel like I've seen some things the last couple of games that do make me think if there were a little an upgrade of athletes here this play calling might be fine (laughs) yeah yeah yep i can't argue with that um the good news is like we talked about earlier we got a bye week mizu can't hurt us this week get healthy um you know and then come out come out strong for home game against vanderbilt right that's what's next yep homecoming i think so it's a night game three o'clock close enough yeah i'll take it we'll take it so anything else about that florida game uh since there's a bye week and basketball is in the air we're gonna preview the basketball team a little bit we're gonna talk about the coach and the players go through the roster familiarize everyone and like i always say when a new season is starting up now's the time you've got friends and family who are kind of out on mizzou football they stopped listening a month ago no big deal it's not it's fine don't even worry about it but now it's basketball season get them back in we're reborn (laughs) i know uh some folks in discord are itching for some basketball content Mm -hmm. and here it is I thought maybe I would start it off by just reminding everybody who the head coach is because it's been a while and just a little bit of his background and then we can get into all the players. So Coach Gates um, played at Cal. He was two-time first-team All-Pac-10 All-Academic team. Mm. Um, Interned for the LA Clippers, then was a graduate assistant at Marquette and Florida State. Returned to Cal as an assistant, then was an assistant at Northern Illinois, Nevada, and eight years at Florida State before becoming a head coach at Cleveland State. He was there for three seasons, orchestrated a, a pretty significant turnaround for them, going 11 and 21 his first season, then 19 and 8, and now 20 and 11. And perhaps the best thing he did since becoming the Mizzou head coach was hire assistant CY Young. Um, Charlton Young he is a dynamite recruiter has experience experience as a head coach and just overall Coach Gates put together a staff that I'm thrilled with and Dickie Nutt of course can't forget Dickie Nutt Um, I'm super excited for the season I am excited to talk about the players there's a lot of I mean almost the maximum amount of roster turnover this year this past offseason um but now that we're less than a month away from games how are you feeling about coach gates in his first just off season at mizzou oh i'm thrilled i'm i couldn't be happier with where the missouri basketball program is right now as far as um i mean i i feel so confident in who we have running this program and 
I mean, right now it just it looks like a great hire. I think at the time we were all like maybe not skeptical. I mean, some of us I'm sure were maybe a little underwhelmed just by like the resume and all that stuff. But man, he has just come in and worked hard. Great hire, like you said. Um, great, great staff. Recruiting has like completely returned, which was like one of my huge concerns with Conzo. Like really, the entire time he was here was he just that just didn't seem like a focus for him, and that's been the complete opposite for Dennis Gates. Like just nobody's outworking this guy, and um, I love just like I I don't know I, I just something about him. Um, he's really embraced the Mizzou culture and fan base, and um, I just I don't know I feel great. Yeah, I uh, I like following him on Twitter because he will tweet out videos of them running drills in yeah. practice and like explain what the drill is and stuff. Yeah, and I'm just like a a nerd for that kind of coaching insight. I think that kind of stuff's really fun. Uh, yeah, I I'm thrilled with the hire as well, and um, you know, there'll be it's not all going to be perfect uh, every season with Coach Gates, but. I don't think there's going to be anybody in the SEC working harder than Coach Gates to elevate their program. Yep. I mean, he's going to be right there at the top of the list. So looking at the roster, um, I figure first we'll just talk about the returning players that everybody's somewhat familiar with, um, starting with Kobe and Caleb Brown. Kobe Brown, a senior, uh, technically has two years of eligibility left. And he's been the best player for Missouri, basically, I mean, more or less the whole time he's been here. I mean, they, in, in a sense that they have needed to rely on him too much yeah. at too young of an age, too early in his development. Yeah. He's been asked to do too much. Yeah, it's almost like um, a little bit of the Kevin Purrier thing where it's like, a little athletic, athletically limited in some ways, like a little undersized for the position he plays, at least height-wise. Um, but just works his tail off, um, has gotten so much better from... I mean, he was good immediately. Like, good fundamentals, for yeah, sure. His freshman year, he was already you know making an impact early, but has really developed. Smart player, um, just uses his body really well, even though he is a little undersized. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I fully expect him to be, again, like one of the kind of cornerstones of, of the team this year. And um, really happy he stuck around because he he I'm sure had other options. Yeah, I like the I like the parallel to Purrier though because we could be looking at a, a situation exactly like Conzo's first year with this influx of talent. Purrier was no longer asked to do more than he was capable of, and he thrived in a new role. And I think we could see very much the same thing for Kobe Brown, where he's not being asked to create as much offense, and he can do what he does best which is just finish at the rim mm -hmm. and get putbacks and stuff like that yeah i mean we were basically still running that kind of cornell man uh, offense last year where the that four spot is pivotal where you know it was kind of like felt like he was hired to run the michael porter jr show from the maybe from the four spot well that was kobe brown last year it was mm -hmm. just like give it to just feed kobe brown and let him just go to work and like well you know it's pretty frustrating from an x and o standpoint honestly yeah uh, he, I mean, he was still able to to make it work for most of the time last year. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm curious and excited to see how they use him this year. Caleb Brown, don't expect much out of him, honestly. Um, he could maybe be an emergency point guard. Um, he actually shot the ball pretty well in very limited 
uh, play last year. Um, he still is a work in progress with being ready to compete at the SEC level. That's not a problem, though. He's got still has time to develop, and he's going to have a couple good point guards in front of him, I think, to learn from. And then the other returning player is Ronnie DeGray. Uh, still, I think, three years of eligibility left for him. He's listed as a junior. Um, he transferred in two off seasons ago from Massachusetts and last year did not start very many games if any uh, was a bench player but he scored eight points per game and had five rebounds per game um, weren't sure uh, there was a time where I thought maybe Kobe and Caleb were the only we're gonna be the only returning players mm-hmm. from last year's team and but I'm happy that uh, Ronnie DeGray is a guy that we kept on board mm-hmm. he does a lot of things well I would say he's not incredible at any one thing, but he's almost like you can rely on him to rebound his position, play solid defense, and score when the opportunity arises. Yeah, he's, he's definitely like a situational player, versatile. And I remember thinking some games last year, we you know pull, after pulling out a narrow victory, I remember you know thinking specifically like, man, there's no way we win that without degrades, like effort on the boards and stuff like that. Again, kind of using even though he's undersized kind of like using his his body well to get rebounds and playing hard all the time and good fundamentals yeah yeah and he can step out and shoot a little bit too so you know i don't know what his role is going to be like this year i think it's very possible he gets buried a little bit minutes wise but you know he he said it in the off season like he just loves mizzou man he enjoyed his season last year and loves being here so i gotta gotta respect that all right so um the next player that probably everybody's most familiar with is going to be Aiden Shaw, the incoming freshman, the only incoming true freshman. Um, he is an incredible athlete. We've, we, I don't know if you've seen, if it, anybody's seen the um, videos going around of him, you know, testing his vertical leap and stuff like that. He can jump out of the gym. Um, I think if they needed him to be, he could be an interior defender and really do well there game one if they really needed him to uh just because he's that athletic and he's tall enough he's not like a true post player but he's tall enough athletic enough long enough arms to impact shots around the rim um and he's athletic enough to keep up with you know smaller forwards and guards Mm -hmm. so i think he's gonna shine defensively if he's gonna do anything early it's gonna be on defense i think Mm -hmm. and He'll have enough defensive versatility that I don't think they'll be able to keep him off the floor for very long. Yeah, I definitely foresee him like getting more minutes as the season goes on for sure. But I mean, yeah, that's his athleticism is what sticks out about about Aiden Shaw. I mean, he has the ability to to shoot the three, and I think down the road he's going to be an offensive threat. But this for this season. Yeah, I think we'll see him trying to take advantage of of, his, of those moments where he's out out athleting people, uh, you know, skying over somebody to get a rebound, that kind of stuff. Definitely think he can maybe be used in the pick and roll situation. I I, I feel like they're gonna utilize that a lot. Um, just getting the bigs kind of running in, in the pick and roll game. I think that's something he's capable of. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him play for sure. Now we have a long list of transfers into the program. Uh, We'll start with two JUCO transfers. So we've got a point guard in Sean East. He's a 6'3 junior. Um, 
he actually played a little bit at Bradley. Actually mm-hmm. played against Missouri mm-hmm. when he was with Bradley. Um, transferred to JUCO and lit it up there. One of the best players in the country. I think he was JUCO Player of the Year by certain outlets. And um, he is an, an offensive threat, and I think that will translate to SEC play. Maybe obviously it's a different level of competition, but he's played against power five opponents when he was with Bradley and then just kind of was able to hone his skills a little bit at Juco. I think he's going to contribute offensively and, and be, we'll talk about another point guard later, but I think he'll kind of be an offensive spark that can go on a little run by himself, Mm -hmm. that type of player. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of mentioned Nick, Nick honor there for a second, but um, yeah, definitely a kind of a more, uh, high scoring guard potentially than, than honor, um, can, you know, handle the ball and stuff like that, but probably going to be off the ball. I would expect a little bit more this season and, um, great shooter. And so, yeah, I think he'll, uh, he'll get a lot of playing time. And then the other Juco transfer is Mo Diara, uh, another junior. He's six ten, but can probably play the three, four or five. I think he doesn't view himself as a post player. I think if he were going to give himself a number, it would be the three most likely. Mm-hmm. So a I don't more, know. A little more competition uh, for playing time if he's playing the three. But Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's versatile for sure. He's, what, 6'10", though? Yeah. And long arms. And if he can, if he can defend, you know, stretch fours and stretch fives in the SEC, which I don't see why he wouldn't be able to, then he'll be able to be out there and do whatever he wants on offense. Mm-hmm. He can play at the three-point line, you know, or like between the three-point line and the elbow if he wants to and just let Kobe play in the post. Um, that's on the table as long as he can be on the court because he can defend post players. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm always a little skeptical of players making the jump from JUCO to, like, high Division One basketball and, and being, you know, relied upon. We've seen that not go super well for, you know, Missouri in the past. But, you know, these are two of the best JUCO players in the country last year. Like, literally maybe one and two mm-hmm. is how outlets had them ranked. So, um, you know, these guys are, are clearly talented enough to, to make a difference at Missouri. And, um, you know, I... I don't know how how much playing time Diara gets this season. Don't know if he's going to start. I kind of feel like he could start or be like the ninth man off the bench. I literally have no idea how, like what what to think of how they're going to use him. Yeah, there's just such a glaring hole on this roster at the five spot that if you've got a guy who's 6'10 and can do anything, you basically need to plug him in there. Basically, yeah. All right, so then next up is all the other transfers. Uh, there are three transfers from coach gates former school cleveland state and that is des moines hodge trey gomillion and mabor majak mm-hmm. uh in that or that's the order i think they will contribute uh hodge is going to be the biggest contributor for missouri i think i don't know that he's guaranteed to be a starter he probably is going to start a lot of games just having that familiarity with the coaching staff and everything mm-hmm. um he does not have any more eligibility past this year. Um, he's 6'4 and had 15 points per game last year for Cleveland State. Yeah, I think it's a good chance he starts. Um, I think he had a lot of options when he transferred from Cleveland State. 
pretty big guard that can score at all three levels shot a ton of threes last year like really high volume shooter but what but made a lot of threes too he's great shooter um i think they they're really gonna take the top off the defense um you know with how many guys can shoot and he'll he'll be one that probably shoots over i don't know what 200 threes this year maybe it's possible yeah for him and then trey gomillion also six four he averaged ten and a half points per game for cleveland state last year um now both of these guys excellent on ball defenders they each won horizon league defensive player of the year yeah um yeah gomillion's one of those guys where it's like i just have a hard time like penciling him in for playing time it's like man i just feel like there's guys ahead of him but he's a little bigger than I realized. He's 6'4", a great defender. I think he's kind of one of those guys that maybe doesn't fill up the stat sheet but just helps you win in, like, uh, like uh, more, I don't even know how to, not statistical categories. He's yeah. just kind of like the rah-rah guy that, you know, everybody uh, kind of rallies behind. And um, I think Coach absolutely loves him, you know. And so, I don't know. He'll play plenty. I don't know what exactly that role is going to be, but he'll be out there. And then uh, Majak, probably, probably not. He was one of the last additions to this roster. I'm not. Is he, is he even on scholarship? I'm not 100 percent sure. You know, I'm not sure. He might be a, a walk on. I think they were like he came on as a walk on, and then they were gonna like see. Yeah. Maybe, and I don't know if I ever heard how that was. I feel like there was a scholarship that he could have received, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Um. Then. Another uh, Horizon League transfer is DeAndre Golston from Milwaukee. And um, he also, this will be his final year of college eligibility. And he was the main offensive threat for a Milwaukee team last year that had an injured Patrick Baldwin Jr. most of the time, five-star recruit that wanted to play for his dad. Um, He was out pretty much the entire year, which kind of forced Golston into the primary scoring threat which he actually was the year before on the same team. Um, so he is another guy that's like he's just a forward who can score at all the, at all three levels, and but he kind of needs the ball in his hand on offense to be productive, and we kind of just have too many guys that fit that description. Yeah, I think that's what's just kind of curious about – how everything's going to shake out is because I just legitimately see like nine or 10 guys that could easily be consistent contributors, but I don't know exactly how the minutes are going to shake out. Cause I just don't know that you optimally want to play 10 guys. Um, right. But yeah, Golston's kind of one of those guys where I kind of, again, haven't penciled in towards the bottom, but wouldn't be surprised if he um, got quite a bit of playing time. Cause I mean, he's a very talented scorer and, I've, I've, he's kind of a similar player to Demoy Hodge in some ways, maybe a little bit more of an inside presence than Hodge. Hodge is probably probably more of a, a guard, but you know both those guys are experienced scorers and don't know exactly how they're going to use them, but they're both talented. Yeah, it seems like it's it's so weird. Um, we're not completely done yet, but the amount of players on this team that you can just give the ball to and kind of let them go manufacture some offense yeah. when you're in a pinch mm-hmm. it, we haven't had like i mean when penson and drew smith we i feel like that's what i always go back to but even then drew smith that was not the his optimal role mm-hmm. was not like creating offense for himself right but it was just like sometimes that was like the best offense that exactly. we exactly yeah so yeah. now we actually have multiple guys that they are playing their best game when they are creating a shot for themselves right 
Yeah, you know, I, um, I feel like Conzo always talked about positionless basketball. I'm not sure we ever really saw it, but I feel like this team could be almost what the personnel-wise, what he would have wanted for some of his teams where, you know, everybody's like six three or taller except for maybe like nick honor if he's playing point but Mm -hmm. outside of the point guard like pretty much everybody two through five can basically do anything can can play anywhere and can create from any of those positions defend any of those positions so you know i think some of these players are kind of interchangeable and you know we haven't even talked about like noah carter isaiah mosley i mean there's just a lot you can do with this lineup let's get into it so nick honor we mentioned him multiple times uh, 5'10 point guard transferred in from Clemson two years of eligibility his role is definitely the easiest to predict yeah uh, he's like the one guy in the team where it's like he's only doing this yeah um, but I don't I watching his uh highlights from Clemson he's exciting yeah. like I don't know how often he and East will be on the floor at the same time they could easily do that slide East to the two spot mm-hmm. and have Nick Honor running the show but um, they could also just like split the minutes perfectly at point guard. And that is very appealing when you can just like sub in your backup point guard and not miss a beat. And they have a little bit different skill set. So you're challenging the defense in a slightly different way. Oh, yeah. Totally different skill set. And yeah, Nick Honor is a distributing point guard who is a good defender and he can just hit a spot up three if you yeah. need him to yeah i feel like he's the exact role of somebody that we would have wanted on some of those conzo teams where it's like we just need somebody that won't turn the ball over yes. we just need a like steady hand who's like running the offense and like not making mistakes and i think nick honor is just will be exactly that he's not going to be a high scorer he can hit threes in, in in specific moments but i think there's enough scoring threats on this game where in on this team where he's not going to be really expected to do that i wouldn't think um consistently but it's just going to be that steady hand that is just going to keep things going at all times. Yeah, I see it just as like another guy who in a late shot clock situation, yep. if you have the right personnel on the floor, you can kick it out to anyone and you feel comfortable with them shooting it. Yeah, very in capable. late clock situation. Mm-hmm. Hasn't always been the case. No. How weird is it that like positionless basketball that Khan's always talked about and like the model for that is Leonard Hamilton at Florida State and then we go and get Dennis Gates who is like seemingly taken that philosophy from Leonard Hamilton but yeah, then just like a put, disciple yeah but then just put his own little spin on it to where he can make it work yeah and if that actually if he is actually able to make it work then yeah, I mean, this roster is certainly not probably as one with, like, the talent and length that you would, like, see at Florida State, but it's certainly, like, the same general idea. And I feel like a lot of his recruits kind of fit that, though. Like, yeah. just, like, extreme length yeah. and, you know, versatility, that kind of stuff. So it does seem like that's the direction they're moving. They'll probably try and fit that this year, and we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, every everybody has length. Everybody can, can score from, from wherever they're at. Yeah, um, we there, we shouldn't get completely through this little preview here without mentioning um, the departure of Trevon Brazil because that is so it, that is the hole in this roster. There is just a perfectly Trevon Brazil sized hole in this roster, and a lot of the 
issues that I could see the uh, team having this season uh, go right back to that hole being yeah. there. And just the way he was developing his three-point shot, shot blocking, finishing at the rim, um, that him on this roster, like the expectation would be NCAA tournament. I don't think that's the case right now because of that hole. We'll see. But yeah, I think this is very much a we'll see, just like let's just see how this goes yeah. scenario. And they could make the tournament and I wouldn't be surprised. And they could struggle and I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, yeah uh, losing Trayvon Brazil just absolutely hurts. There's no way around it. There's no other way to describe that. Um, we knew that was going to hurt really bad. And things like when he left, I don't even know if we knew who the coach was going to be at that time. Things were kind of dark. We were losing a, a lot of the team was turning over and things got way better like after that. But man, I wish he would have stuck around. It's going to suck seeing him go off for Arkansas. Like, I mean, literally go anywhere else, please. Like, except for like Arkansas or Kansas. And uh, it's just like, I can live with it, <laughs> but man, it really sucks that he just happened to go to Arkansas and he'll probably be great there. Yeah, like go to North Carolina, Duke, yeah. anywhere. Just get out of our schedule. schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> now, Noah Carter, junior transfer from Northern Iowa. He's a guy who, the way that he was used at Northern Iowa, would kind of start to be a piece that could fill that hole a little bit. Now, he doesn't have the athleticism or the length or the height, um, but they used him at Northern Iowa at the five spot yep i i know that he was used that way i know diara doesn't see himself as a five i don't think missouri uses noah carter at the five spot no i don't, I don't think they will have to and i don't think they will want to but again a guy with a versatile skill set i mean that's kind of the theme with all these guys is like i don't know that they're going to be doing the role that they had at their previous school which could lead to some learning curve mm -hmm. but it also just you know speaks to, to the versatility and the athleticism that these guys have and like, what they're able to do um, in, in certain situations but yeah, Noah Carter's kind of like that player that's like I mean you said it he's, he's not athletically gifted necessarily or anything like that but really really smart player just kind of like finds a way I don't know it's like you know I, I watched him several times at Northern Iowa and Man, he's a pain to go against because he's he's really uh, he's he's very versatile. But um, it's like I don't know how he's doing this, but he's really creating issues for for the you know defense he's going against. Uh, last year at Northern Iowa, he averaged 15 points per game and uh, four rebounds per game, and he was shooting four. He was attempting four threes per game. Yeah. So definitely a versatile player on offense. Mm -hmm. um, who can he guard in the SEC on defense? Well, that's what we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And a lot of these guys, the yeah. w their way to playing time is being able to defend a position really well. And then the most exciting transfer into Mizzou in quite a while is the hometown kid, Isaiah Mosley. Welcome home. Uh, took a yeah, roundabout way to end up in a Mizzou uniform, but we will see it very shortly. 6'5", guard most recently at Missouri State, before that Rockbridge High School in Columbia, Missouri, mm -hmm. and in one of the weirdest head-scratching things ever, you know, in the Conzo Martin era, somehow 
was not offered a committable offer from yeah. the staff. Yeah, Kanza let a lot of talent get out of the state, and Isaiah Mosley was one of the most glaring issues, uh, most glaring uh, situations where that happened. And he, I mean, I was thrilled to, as you know, someone who follows Missouri State basketball. I, I was thrilled that I was going to get to see him play all the time down in here in Springfield. I feel like I've seen him play 50 times or more. Like he's just. I don't know, man. He's perfect for the role that he's going to play at Missouri. He's just a big guard, um, going to inject immediate scoring into this team. He's going to shoot very high volume and probably make a lot of threes. Can He's so creative with the ball and can score it in every level. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. His usage at, it was just unbelievable at Missouri State. Like probably I'm thinking – top 20 top 30 usage in the country last Mm -hmm. year just like taking so many shots so many possessions like ended with Mosley doing something yeah um I don't know if this usage will be quite that high at Mizzou probably doesn't need to be but if he could somehow you know score you know continue to score you know 15 20 points a game I think that's completely reasonable yeah his last two seasons at Missouri State he was averaging 14 attempts 14 attempts per game um but shooting 50 50 percent from the field yeah and um last year at missouri state shot 42 percent from three on five attempts per game yeah yeah it's just like he was incredibly efficient but on like high volume too yeah yeah 20 points per game last year for the bears you gotta expect that to dip a bit uh better competition and you know better Mm. teammates around you most likely yeah Missouri State, decent team last year, though. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he performed well against good competition, too. Uh, Missouri State played in the NIT last year and uh, against Oklahoma in their first game, and Mosley had, like, 20-plus points in the first half. So, you know, that's just that's what he does. Um, it's almost, like, kind of hard to describe, like, what he does so well, but he just, um, I don't know, he just kind of just keeps working on the defense until he finds a way to exploit you, and... Um, we'll just kind of back you down in the post or he'll just shoot over you. I mean, it does not matter. Like you figure him out, he'll exploit you another way. 40 points in a road upset over, um, what are they called? Uh, Loyola Chicago. Oh, the, Ram- the Ramblers or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just trying to think of Loyola Chicago. Oh, I thought you were trying to think of like their mascot or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just randomly just delivered it. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, yeah. When Missouri State beat Loyola Chicago on the road he scored 40 points that's just big game showing up for a big game and delivering yeah he scored 42 against northern iowa i believe which they had uh aj green in that game and who scored like 30 something so they were just going back and forth but i mean it just feels like he end up uh putting on the spot i don't remember he might have actually gone pro i'll find out yeah please do um but I mean, it just seems like Missouri. It's been a while since Missouri has that guy, that go-to guy, where it's like we need to score. We know exactly who we're going to, and it doesn't even matter if the defense knows. Like we just, that's still just our best chance to score. And Mosley is going to be exactly that. AJ Green, Milwaukee Buck. You're right. Mm. Um, Mosley, you were talking about like just the, his finishing ability and the way he breaks down a defense. Like his highlight tape, it's incredible how the defense would like. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but the the defense will like bring a double team and he'll just kind of be like, okay, well, I'll I'll just back out of this a little bit. I'll reset. It's like he doesn't even pass out of it. Sometimes he's resetting the offense 
all by himself yep. to get out of a double team, and then he just kinda goes and attacks again and scores. Just, yeah, just kind of reassesses. Yeah, oh, yeah, he does. That's exactly what he does. He goes in, kind of sees what happens. Sometimes resets, and then and then attacks again in a different way or different angle. And he just finds a way. He uses the backboard really well, but depending on where he's at, just understands angles. And man, he's he's fun to watch. I'm envisioning many times where he is, you know, working his way into the paint. Kobe Brown is there for a dump off or a putback or whatever he needs yeah. on the back end. And then there's three guys ready for a spot up three pointer. Yeah. I mean, he just has that great court awareness and the decision, like quick decision making to where he uh, eventually, I'm sure he is going to start getting doubled and he'll just pass out of it real quickly mm-hmm. or what, you know, whatever he needs to do. I think he has enough talent on this team where he'll, he'll give it up, you know, if yeah. he needs to. And it'll be perfectly think, fine. Yeah. His instincts for that kind of stuff are, are top notch. I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah, there were definitely moments at Missouri State where, you know, he just had to do it himself a little bit. And you know, Missouri State had some good players too, but um, I don't, you know, I don't foresee that happening quite as much at Mizzou where he just kind of feels like he has to force it. And the, the crazy thing though is like it didn't really feel like he was forcing it. <laughs> yeah, when your like shooting percentages are yeah. still that good. Yeah, there I do see some times where he's going to, you know there could be a possession here and there where he's the only one that touches the ball. Mm-hmm. And we probably don't want to see that. Sometimes it'll work. Sometimes it won't. I can't imagine the coaching staff is going to want to see that all the time. So um, that's probably not a good sign if we're resorting to that kind of offense. But I don't know. I think the offense is going to look good this year. I think it's going to be a nice palate cleanser for the last couple seasons where We've struggled to score points and I'm starting slow. That's something that um, when you have just a pure score like Mosley and some three-point shooters, you can, you're can you kind of immune to those just 12-0 starts for the opposing team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody's going to figure it out before it gets to that point, I think, on a team like this. Mm. So um, let's see here. Let's think about Let's think about the starting lineup. And maybe not necessarily the game one starters. I like to think about who will be, what starting five will be the most used starting lineup when the season is all said and done. And right off the bat, it's kind of tricky who you pencil in as the starting point guard. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to put Sean East down and have Nick Honor as like six man. Because, like I said earlier, I think they could play alongside each other, but I would be intrigued by just like basically splitting the point guard minutes between them perfectly and mm-hmm. just having that complement. Yeah, I'd, I'd be perfectly fine with them just kind of splitting at the one. Um, for just for the sake of this exercise, I've, I feel like Nick Honor is someone I feel pretty strongly will start, but I have no idea. Do you see them both starting? I think so. I, well, I mean, total guess, but yeah. I think they'll both be out there quite a bit um, just because they are just pretty different players as far as, like, their skill sets. Do so you have them penciled in at the one and two starting lineup? Yep. Maybe not game one, but over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. So then you must have Mosley as the starting three. Yes. So I've got Mosley at the two and Carter at the three. And then just saying that out loud, I think I kind of like your thought on it a little bit better but well the thing is when you get to this point like those first three make a lot of sense but now you're having to figure out what to do um with the four and five position and so i've got Moy hodge kind of penciled in as the four 
and I don't know if that makes sense. He's probably more suited for like the the three, and maybe Mosley's playing the two. But I just feel like Mosley and Hodge are two of our best offensive players. They're going to be out there a lot, and if maybe we really do just kind of embrace kind of a positionless style, um, Hodge is kind of at the the four with air quotes. You know what? I'm going to actually switch up what I'm doing here. I'm going to put Hodge at the three starting most and Carter coming off the bench. I don't, I don't think, I don't think uh, coach Gates is going to bring Hodge over from Cleveland state with one year left when he could have gone other places and, and have him. Yeah. I agree. I think Hodge is pretty much a surefire starter. Just not exactly sure where. So then I've got Kobe Brown at the four and Mo Diara at the five. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I've just got Kobe at the at the five, and we're just gonna go go small. Ugh, that scares me a little bit, though. Yeah. No. Yeah, I mean, I think Diara is just gonna have an adjustment, man. Like I, defensively, the speed of the game, I think it's gonna be an adjustment, and maybe they just throw him to the to the fire right off the bat, and maybe he's completely fine. But I I foresee maybe some defensive issues, maybe some fouling issues for Diara mm-hmm. off the at least you know at the at the beginning. But um, hopefully, I'm 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 wrong there. Yeah. Kobe Brown at the five, though, just worries me on defense. I feel like he can really compete, and it just, you know, I'm thinking about. Like a Shibwe. Yeah, now like that's that. kind of an outlier who nobody can really stop him. Yeah. But I mean, I, yeah, I don't think DR is really slowing yeah. him down either. So. Yeah, and I'm just, yeah. It's, it's You're right, though. I mean, it makes sense if he can fill that role. It seems like that's probably, like, best case scenario is if he can fill the five role and, and do it well. Then, uh, yeah, I think that's what we would want to happen. Kobe and Noah Carter are probably more playing like the four. Yeah. Um, I had Noah Carter as my sixth man for what that's worth or whatever that's worth. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what I did now that I put Hodge in the starting lineup. Um, yeah. Ronnie DeGray, Aiden Shaw, Golston, how those guys figure in, you know, it'll go million. Yeah. It, all of that will be dependent on, you know, game to game, the foul yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just like four guys, like those four or five guys you just named that are just kind of like any of these guys could be like seven through 10. And I'm not really sure what order. Yeah. Maybe even six through nine or six through 10. I don't know. I feel like we're going to be in the market for a transfer big, um, this next off season. Yeah. I, I'd be fine with that probably most likely, but we'll see. Maybe uh, Majak can be the guy for the future. Well, that was the that was all the basketball players. I think Axel Congo has any eligibility left. You know, might want to come back. We could we could find out probably. We could kick the tires on yeah, that. Don't worry about it. He's probably busy. Um. So what? Fair. So we'll talk about. Uh, he's not here to defend himself. That was nice. Yeah, that was mean. Although Ed Chang, I heard he might be have some eligibility right Okay, now that I'd be interested. Uh, that was our player preview. Um, we're going to, I don't know how it'll fall. Obviously, we got football games to talk about too, so we will have some long episodes here coming up. But we will uh, go game by game through the whole schedule and try to figure out what expectations should be set for this team. And we will do a three-on-three draft. And then before you know it, we'll be talking about games very exciting i'm excited you optimistic yeah i mean just like the thought of like basketball season being around in the corner like having having games a couple times a week and stuff and just all new everything about to be busy i'm excited Mm. all right 
Well, anything else before we sign off? We got to do some picking. Do some pick em. Oh my goodness, a long episode. <laughs> All right, take it away, producer Cameron. Okay. Last week, got to get back into football mode. Some yeah. Years here. <laughs> football, football. Okay. Like okay. Last week, Cameron got five. Kyle got six. I got six. Guest pickers got six. Oh, oh my gosh. So our season totals are. I suck at this. Cameron thirty-eight, Kyle forty-two. Guest pickers forty three and I have forty seven. Okay, not completely out of it. Is, did I actually win this twice? Twice. Wow. Okay, the first twice. two years maybe. I need to go back and listen to old episodes to see uh, really channel your what I'm doing different. Your old strategies. First epi- episode. <laughs> Don't listen to that, <laughs> please. <laughs> okay, first game, Auburn. At number nine, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, what happened last week? Ole Miss won, and we all picked somebody else, Kentucky, except for Tristan or whoever picked. Yeah, I think so. So, Ole Miss I is playing well. Yeah. Is, uh, I need to look at Will Levis' situation before yeah, that. He, game oh, I, I was thinking about that. Like, we picked uh, two games maybe last week that had, like, considerable, like, injuries that would probably have changed things if we knew. But okay. uh, you give me uh, Ole Miss. Yeah, definitely. Ole Miss all around. Our guest picker this week is Mr. Smith. Welcome in. Welcome in, Brian. Good luck. Second game is Vanderbilt at number one, Georgia. Georgia is a 38-point favorite. I think I'll take Georgia. Who are they playing? Vanderbilt. Oh, that's tough. Give me Georgia. <laughs> Everybody on Georgia – Game of the week, number three, Alabama. At number six, Tennessee, Alabama is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. At Tennessee? Do, does yeah. Tennessee have that in them? Is Alabama number one now? Is uh, three. Three. Who's is number one? Ohio State? Georgia. Who's I, number two? I thought Georgia, I thought was, Georgia number was number two. I thought Georgia was number two. I thought Alabama was number one, but they, I could totally be wrong. Well, is Bryce Young playing? He missed last week. Maybe that's why they moved down to number three because they didn't play all that well. A and M, the frauds. Uh, I, I told you they were gonna. This is it the came game. down to the last play yeah. of the game, and they kind of just threw it away. And they mm-hmm. yes, that was a terrible play. Um, if Bryce Young is not playing, he's made a lot of progress. Uh, to be determined whether he will play. He is practicing, but oh we don't know. man, am I gonna pick against Alabama? I'm not. I'm taking Alabama. Yeah, give me Tennessee. Oh. Old Rocky Top. Gonna pull it off. No way, Tennessee. Tennessee, like, okay, they're a playoff contender. Is that what we're saying? I think so. I think they're I think they're really good. I think they're really good and they're just catching Alabama at a weird time with Bryce Young and all that. Coaches pull Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, AP, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama. If, if anybody cares. Okay. Um, geez. I'm going to take Alabama. Ooh, Kyle's on an island. I'm probably going to regret that. Where's it being played? At Tennessee. Tennessee. <gasps> wanna, you want to suffer with me? I don't want to root for Tennessee. I like, uh, feel better rooting for Alabama than Tennessee. You feel like you want to be a part of Tennessee, like firmly planting no. their name in the playoff conversation? No, I just want the points. Oh, well. 
That's one way to think about it. Well, I'm probably not going to get the points. Yeah. I'll stick uh, with Alabama. My first jinx. I wish, right. I, could, uh, I wish I knew a little more on Bryce Young because that, that changes everything. But I bet he plays. He probably does. Arkansas at BYU. Arkansas is a one-and-a-half point favorite. Give me BYU. That is a weird BYU. matchup. BYU. BYU. What, uh, I don't know what guess about BYU. Brian? Yeah, what do you pick? BYU. Oh. So everyone picked BYU? Is that who you're picking? Who's it? Who's the favorite? Arkansas, one and a half. Yeah, give me Arkansas. <sighs> okay, I'll stick with BYU. BYOB. I feel like Arkansas is going to win. but <laughs> Well, whatever. then that'd be a good team to pick in a game where the whole point is picking a winner. I think I don't. I think who I think is going to win just loses. So okay, well, that explains mm, how opposite. you're losing. Do <laughs> okay. Man, Kyle's on an island twice already. Oh, this is great. This is great. LSU at Florida. Florida is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Ooh, we got some close games. That Now, that's a game I do not want to watch. Um, I'll take Florida. Florida's at home? Yeah. And they're the favorite by barely. Okay, I'll take LSU. I'll take LSU. Am Brian, I on an island? No, Brian <sighs> takes Florida. That makes me want to switch so I can gain points. Oh, well. Florida. They learned a lot this past week. Okay. Number 16, Mississippi State at number 22, Kentucky. Kentucky is a four-point favorite. Will Levis is playing. He is? Okay. Who's at home? Man, Mississippi State's been good. Kentucky. Four-point And you know what I say about Kentucky? I want Mississippi State. I'm calling it. I'm taking Mississippi State. So does Brian. We are f- we are planting the flag for Mississippi State because Kentucky is fraudulent. Oh my gosh! Even with Will Levis, a little bit. Okay. Everybody's on Mississippi State. Wow! Wow! What a statement. Nebraska at <laughs> Purdue. Purdue is a fourteen-point favorite. Sounds pretty convincing. I wish I knew more about Purdue. I don't I'm, know anything I'm, about them. I'm tempted. Who you're tempted? I I want everybody else to pick Purdue. I'll take Purdue before I make my decision. All right, I'll take Purdue. Everybody take Purdue. Yeah, I'll take Nebraska. Oh my God! Hope you're right. Where you getting buried this week? <laughs> I feel like this happened to me last year, where it like reached a point where I was like, I just kind of have yeah. to. You gotta get back pick in some it. stuff. Got it. And I'm either gonna get right zig. back in it or plummet. Got to zig when they zag. Feeling a plummet coming. That's all. Okay. Now you can send them on. Now we can end this. Um, how do we do that? Special thank you to our <laughs> Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks. Thank you. Thank you, uh, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. We'll see you next week after bye. <laughs>